And now another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. That doesn't sound good. Paper shredder's jammed, but I think I fixed it. Oh, well, try shredding these $50 bills then. Seems like it's working. Mm, better try another 400 bucks. Stop. Instead of using money, use regular paper. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Big Thing. I'm pumped, man. I haven't had a chance to talk to Dominic Monaghan since, um, shit, when I was doing Collider Live. And then Collider, we did one-on-one with Christian Harloff, and he came in and we talked. And it was funny because he had brought up last time about i had done a star wars show he knew i did a star wars show he's like next time we need to talk star wars and then we were going to book it and he gets booked in episode nine and we never got a shot to uh I, we never talked about it since so he's coming on and we're pretty excited i'm excited about it too because he has a movie that's out right now it's called last looks it's out in the theaters and you guys can check it out but we're going to talk to him about that what he's been up to we're just going to shoot the shit man you know how it goes but before we do that I need everybody to show a little bit of class, all right? Just show a little bit of class and subscribe. Hit that top left button or notifications and just show an ounce. That's all we're asking for here. Patreon, you know how it works. Sign up for it, SEN Live. We get three of them per month right now. And don't forget about podcasts. It is Apple Podcasts. It is Spotify. It is wherever podcasts are found. You know how it works. Let's do it. No more me talking. I want to talk to Dominic Monahan. Let's do it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the big thing. All right, as I mentioned, last time I talked to him, it was a little while ago, we geeked out. Let's geek out again. It's Dominic Monaghan. What up, dude? What's up, man? How are Go you, ahead. brother? Where are you right now? I'm in, uh, I'm in Los Angeles. Just oh, you are? My house. Okay, I thought, you were, I thought you were out of town. You were just out of town for a while. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I was in Dublin for about five months making a show, uh, and then I went to Costa Rica for. Let me see if I can bring this chair up. Went to uh, Costa Rica for Christmas and New Year's, surfing, hanging out, um, and now I'm back. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. You work on a movie. I haven't had a chance to see yet, but it looks awesome. Last looks. Um, your role looks pretty fun, man. Tell me about it. Yeah, I. Um, that was kind of, what was that, a two, two or three day shoot for me, something like that. It happens sometimes now in my, uh, in my career where we'll just kind of get a very last minute kind of like, hey, this thing's happening. They're shooting next week. They asked about your availability. Uh, do you want to do it? I've kind of, I mean, obviously I know of Charlie Hunnam. Uh, and I've, we've kind of bumped into each other a couple of times over the years, not in any way friends, but always been kind of friendly with each other. And I've liked what he's done. And, you know, they were like, it's a, it's a Charlie Hunnam thing. It's shooting in Atlanta. Are you free? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I, I got to kind of play a slightly outrageously dressed, um, outrageously acting lawyer. Um, you know, honestly, I've not seen the movie either. But uh, I don't. I don't think I've seen anything that I've done for probably I don't know fifteen years or so. So it's not that uncommon, you know. Is, is that something? I mean, you hear a lot of a lot of performers are that way, right? They they do a thing, they know what they did, and they don't want to watch it. Some people for different reasons. Um, do you do it because you don't because you did it? You know the material you're out, or you just don't like watching yourself? It's a combination of all those things, really. I 
when I do it, I'm 100% committed to the day and to the scene and to the moment. So I don't necessarily feel like I need to squeeze any more juice out of that. Um, whenever I've been happy with what I've done at work, I think it's only really 65% happy is absolutely delighted, you know, because it's, it's an artistic form and it's always, you can always improve. You can always try something else. You can always do better because you never finish with that type of thing. So when I'm on, on the day, if I give myself whatever, a, a, a B plus or an A minus, if I watch it, it always slips back down to like a C minus or a D plus because you can pick holes in it. So also, also maybe kind of a slightly egomaniacal thing of like, why are you now choosing to sit and watch yourself do stuff? Like it just, I don't know how much that serves me really, you know? Um, yeah, I get it. I, I get it also because I think that for me doing stand up comedy is was where I started, where I where I lived, the comedy store, and I and I remember recently because I'd gotten back up at stage and in order to do so I was watching stuff from like ninety nine and I was like that is just atrocious, ladies. Right. You're just like oh how did anybody even let me into a club when I was doing stuff like that? So I I, I absolutely get it. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure I would feel that way um, about my earlier work for sure. It's interesting because I can I can watch myself a little easier. You know, I did a nature show that was me. Yeah. I can watch me. I do a podcast every week. We have to give notes on that podcast. I can watch me being me and not feel so strange about it. But me playing a performance, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm just not that interested. You know. That's fair. I mean, I think that's more than fair. And then it's like you said, it's and it's and and it's no disrespect to it, but it's it's your work, right? You've done your job. You do you do what you do, and it's it's off to the next gig. But what I will say about that, because you're you're a, kind of a, a, a geek like myself, and whether it's whether it's games or whether it's Star Wars or whether it is, we, we I remember last time you came on, before you even left, you were supposed to leave, and we wound up talking about Star Wars for I think an hour before you even got out the door. So, um, but. Are you that way? Were you that way uh, about Lord of the Rings going into it? Because I asked that because they have the new show coming out. Is that something that interests you? You're like, no, same thing it was in the past and now I'm moving on to other stuff. I mean, I'll certainly watch the, have a look at the new show. And if it's good, I'll continue to watch it. Of course, it's a mythology that I, that I like and I'm intrigued to see what they do. Going into the original trilogy, the Peter Jackson trilogy of Lord of the Rings, um, I, I, I wouldn't say I, I, I was as much of a geek about it as maybe I became, but it was it was something that I knew. My dad had read the books when he was younger. When we were traveling backwards and forwards on road trips, we would listen invariably to the Hobbit radio tapes, wow. to the Lord of the Rings radio tapes. So we knew about Gandalf and we knew about Frodo and Bilbo and, and people like that. As soon as I um, got involved with the books, Obviously, being around, being immersed in that mythology got you to a place where I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm an expert now. But if I was doing a pub quiz and the subject was Lord of the Rings, I would probably say to most of the people in the party, OK, you know, this is this is more in my wheelhouse than it will be for most people. Just simply from osmosis, from being around it, you know, we we were consistently challenged to read the books and delve into the books, which we did, but also like artwork and, and, you know, all the other, the Silmarillion and the songs and the poems and all that kind of stuff. I'm okay. We're, we're actually having a Lord of the Rings expert on my podcast, the friendship onion next week. And I want to see if we can stump him 
with our questions because he claims to be one of the best Lord of the Rings experts on the planet. So we want to see if we can find questions that he can't answer. Oh, dude, I would love to listen to that. I, I would. I want to. Yeah, I want to learn more about your podcast actually too. And 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 have you ever had? Did you have Colbert on there yet? We had Colbert on. Yeah. Okay, you're gonna yeah. have to. Yeah, for sure. I gotta listen. I gotta listen. Tell me, you know what? Let's let's just like I said, like it was very similar to the last time you're on. Is what's ever interesting? I want to hear about it. Tell me about the podcast. When when did you start? Did you have? The, how long have you had the podcast? We've been doing the podcast now for about a year or so. It's called okay. The Friendship Onion. Myself and Billy Boyd. I've been a podcast fan. <coughs> Excuse me. Probably since kind of the the heydays of Ricky Gervais's podcast, you know, kind of mid nineties to late nineties type thing. Um, I'd been asking Billy for a long time to start listening to podcasts, to get into it because I thought it was a medium that we could uh, work in. And then uh, our friend Michael Rosenbaum uh, wanted me to do his podcast for, I think the third time. And I said, well, what if I come on with, Billy Boyd, and he, he liked that idea. So Billy and I came on, and then we asked Rosie if he could keep his studio space open for an extra hour, and we could record a pilot episode of the podcast, which we did, shot that around, sold it, and I think we're getting close to the 50th episode or something like that. Oh, dude, I didn't – see? I'm glad I had you on. I'm, I'm gonna, yeah. You got a new listener. I'll nice, be, love that. Oh, dude, yeah, for sure. I love you guys. And the fact that um, you know, what's funny also is that we've been shooting for our our we the movie trivia show that we do. We um we shot uh, uh, at um the Scum and Villainy Cantina, and I you know you guys were in there at one point, and and that's why I think that I started to hear mumblings about stuff like that. You guys were doing something, and I'm glad now that I know exactly what it is. So that's awesome, man. So you had yeah. Colbert on. You you guys are just are doing your thing, but blending in Star Wars and Lord of the Rings for a second. I got to ask you a question. Do you? Do you talk to, do you keep in touch with Peter Jackson at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously when, when Get Back came out, Pete and I are massive Beatles fans, obviously. Oh, yeah. So Pete and I went backwards and forwards via email about Get Back. You know, we obviously send each other Christmas messages and, and send each other emails to see how we're doing. He's, he's obviously very busy and there's times where he's so busy that you don't tend to hear too much back from him. But he always knew that I was a massive Beatles fan because we talked about it back in New Zealand. So when Get Back was on its way, we started talking a little bit more. Um, yeah. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal. Th I mean, I was, I always, oh, it, it was so good. It was so yeah. good. But the reason I bring him up is that I guess you just answered the question is how busy he is, but why is he not doing Star Wars with TV going on right now and with a full series? Like I, I would, I would die to see a Peter Jackson uh, series. Yeah, I, I would love that too. He's a master filmmaker and he could make anything great. I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to put words in, in Peter's mouth because I, I don't know his feeling. I, I just wonder if maybe over the last few years of him doing documentaries, which, you know, he did They Shall Not Grow Old and then he did Get Back. I wonder if maybe Peter thinks, you know, I can work from my home. I can go into a studio. I can, you know, kind of not need to travel so much. I don't need to be on set. I don't need to be pulling crazy hours. I mean, you know, Peter Jackson is not old by any means, but he's not a spring chicken anymore. I just wonder if maybe 12 weeks on a movie set for him nowadays, he might think, well, why would I do that? What, what's, what's the benefit of that? It's true. And he also, you know, a lot of directors or artists in general try their whole careers to do what that guy did 
like that with the movies that you guys made and everything he did in the empire that he built, what and everything that he was able to do. So you're right. I mean, well, he if he wanted to, he could sit back. I just think creatively, I always wanted, I always envisioned because I know there was one point he was going to do like a Halo series produced or something, whatever he was going to do. And I remember just not being so excited to see that just in producing like District Nine, yeah. and I'm like, oh man, what would a Star Wars like series look like from Peter Jackson. So maybe it's a pipe dream, but it's just something that I would love to see. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe at some point in the future, who knows, who knows, who knows, but speaking of star Wars TV, I mentioned uh, as we were going over some stuff in the, in the, before we went on the air book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, you haven't been watching book of Boba Fett yet, but did you watch Mandalorian? I watched Mandalorian, love Mandalorian. Mandalorian is the greatest example of a TV show where I would watch it and think almost every episode I'd, I'd think, Oh, okay. This episode's okay, but it's not as good as last week. And then in the last like 90 seconds of that episode, they do something where you think, Oh, it's the best episode of the season. Right. And then you go, Okay, well, they can't be that. And then you come into the next episode and you go, Well, okay, it's not gonna be as good as last week. And then the last 90 seconds, they do something else. So um, yeah, I was I was all in on the Mandalorian, love the whole the whole vibe, the whole design of it, bringing back characters that we know that are canon. Uh yeah, I loved it. It it was every so when I was doing that Star Wars show on on Collider, and this is and this is no offense to any of you guys who made the movies, but I had said this before the movies had even come out. I said, I'll watch a Star Wars movie every time it comes out, no n- no problem. But I look, f- I'm going to be looking forward to TV more so th- for Star Wars than movies. And everybody thought I was crazy. They said, Why? Why would you? Why? Yes, for so many different reasons. The and I wonder I've, how you feel as as an actor inside of this this uh, this reasoning too is that you get to spend so much more time with the characters you get to develop more as far as trying to cram in so much more so much mythology in two hours or two hours and fifteen minutes and all the stuff that you have to do and trying to connect it to another director's di- uh, vision and all that as opposed to one plan all the way through. And if you don't like an episode, as opposed to if you don't like one movie, you got to sit there for two or three years and you got to hear about it forever, as opposed to one week. And like you just said, I don't like that episode. The next week, it just knocks you off your couch and you yeah. just forgot about the other one. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that too. Uh, you know, I, I obviously have had great opportunities in, in television and in movies. I think it's ludicrous when you when you hear from actors that say, you know, they come off a successful TV show and they say, I'm never doing TV again. I'm only doing movies. And you think, why, why would you even say that? Why would you put yourself into a headspace where you've taken half of the cake off the table? You know, television is extraordinary. It does incredible things. My, <clears throat> excuse me, my favorite kind of media that's out there right now, whether it's games or movies or TV or any any art form, my favorite thing out there right now is Euphoria, which plays on HBO, you know, and that's TV. So TV can do really powerful things. Uh, and like you said, you, you get to spend so much more time with these characters that you start to really love. And instead of, you know, two hours in a movie, you might get to spend 8, 10, 12, 22 hours with these characters. It's brilliant. At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding a motorcycle with your crew on the open road. It's a primal, wild freedom. A feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, sound effects guy. Hmm, no. You know, we really lost a stride at the end there. Get 24-7 roadside assistance with Progressive, America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Roadside assistance subject to policy terms and limits may require comprehensive coverage.
It's great. And I think that that's, I think also streaming obviously has changed that and made that so much different because directors aren't, and story writers and actors, they're not, they're not as handcuffed as they were in the past with television. I mean, there's been some great television that wasn't, that was on network for sure. And you are a perfect example of that of uh, with Lost and, and what you guys were able to do with that series. But that was so uh, kind of ahead of its time in general of what Lost was able to do. Do you ever think though, going, looking back at the, how streaming has changed, like how, what you got what lost maybe maybe could have done i mean it did so much anyway but but what it could maybe more less limits um from like network if it was on streaming nowadays yeah and you know all of those type of things like you know if if social media was around when we did the lord of the rings and then lost i would have 25 30 million followers on instagram yeah, yeah. i've got I've not even got half a million followers on Instagram because people are like, wait, guy from Lost, the guy from Lord of the Rings, that was 20 years ago. That was 15 years ago. So obviously it does, it does change things. Um, I think maybe if, if Lost was streaming, they'd be able to do a few more of the edgier things. We were tied into a network. I think Damon did the best that he could to try and make it as, as cutting edge and daring and edgy as possible. But that's the other thing about, about television specifically is, things move on so fast because there's there's so much content. It's being dropped consistently all the time that it's very easy to look back at, you know, two years ago of television and think, oh, that's passe now. You know, that's kind of, it's become cliche. Like it's, it's become way too safe. So um, everything's on fast forward nowadays with the way that we get our media. Yeah, it's true. Do you, speaking of, and with loss and with streaming, it seems to be we're in a phase. We always go through phases in the industry, right? Whether it's 3D or remakes. Right now, it seems to be like a nostalgia thing is the is the big thing that's going around. Whether it's No Way Home or there's at least a lot a lot of these movies are coming and, and TV shows are nostalgia. Cobra Kai is an example, right? Wow. You think you think you're going to get that phone call about Lost? They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna want to do this thing again and and bring it back to streaming to to see what what they can do. I mean. I don't think they would bring back any of the original cast or maybe one or two. Um, if it, if I had my druthers and I wasn't one of the producers of last and it's funny because people, people ask me that all the time. I do this, I do this Q and a on Instagram and people say, bring back last, bring back last. And I, and I say, that's like asking Huckleberry Finn for Mark Twain to write new books. You know, I'm a, I'm a fictional character. I have nothing to do with it. Right. Um, but I think they should reboot it. I think they should have the same island vibe. They should have an isolated island, a plane crash or, or a, a ship that capsizes. People are all locked together and it's different personality traits. But in terms of original cast, I mean, by the time they would reboot it again, some people I would argue would be too old to actually work in those, in those roles again. And I think a lot of people would say no. I personally would probably say no. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's like lost, lost is like um, playing in a football game and scoring a hat trick. And, you know, you've had your best game ever. You've performed at a high level. Everyone's seen you perform at that high level. And you've done a good job. And then 10 years later, that team call you up and say, you want to come play again and you think i'm going to ruin that entire legacy by being involved with something that's diluted it's not as good so for me you know i would never do a lord of the rings thing again i would never do lost again it's just 
as an actor repeating star wars how about star wars though well maybe with star wars i might be a little bit different because the thing with lord of the rings is that story's been told you know mary retires in the shire he has some kids and he does his thing and um with lost you know I mean, I don't think it's really a spoiler alert anymore because Lost was 15 years ago. But, you know, the Charlie story's done with the character that I played in Star Wars, Beaumont Kin. You really didn't know anything about him. And his backstory is really fun. He's a highly intelligent code breaker, broke away from his family that did not want him to go to university and join the Rebel Alliance. He did it. He became, uh, he left the universities with the highest honors from anyone else in that year joined the Rebel Alliance, uh, spoke a whole bunch of different languages, is one of the best code breakers uh, for the Rebel Alliance. So I, I think there's I think there's great stories, stories to tell with Beaumont. Um, so I'd be interested in that phone call happening. But I, honestly, Christian, I, I don't think that's happening. I think in the climate that we're in nowadays, I'm not sure if they're telling stories of um, mid-40-year-old white men. I think they're telling stories of, quite rightly, females and people of different ethnicities you know doesn't mean that 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 character can't show up in a, in a series though like so right. it, and so i i don't disagree with you i think there are new ways the new things are going to be telling even look like the acolyte series that has been announced right there's going to be something very different about that series in general um but i'm glad you brought that up though because i the backstory that you said right away and that goes into that conversation we had about how much more time you'd have to develop and knowing your past work and what you've done you know that you're going to be able to just look at what the evolution of like charlie and what you learned about charlie throughout various episodes of television that's the same thing you would learn with beaumont and there's a, like a slight little moment in rise of skywalker that you see a bit of, of him and he even he's like a good guy like chewie's all bummed out he's like come on man we need you get it and he's like it's like that it's that motivational thing that he's got and i'm like I'll, I'll be honest with you. You don't have to say it. I was bummed. I thought you were going to be a Knight of Ren. I thought you were going to, I think they should have used you more personally. I thought you were going to be, when I when I was talking to you, I said, they're going to use that. And I started, I was, I was doing predictions of everything I thought you were going to do. And I was like, yeah, it was good in the role, but I wanted to see him do so much more. And I would love to see you in a series. Well, thank you, Christy. I mean, look, I, I, I always want to work more in projects. Uh, I'm not sure if directors and producers feel the same way as, as me, but I, I, I want to be in every scene. I want to, affect every storyline we shot more than was used obviously i've been friends with jj for a long time when when jj was editing those films you know he called me up and, and said listen you know this is a story where we're trying to conclude the stories of uh daisy's character john's character oscar's character you know trying to put a bow on what's happening with Chewie and c3po and r2d2 and he said unfortunately there are quite a few things that you did that are not going to make it into the final cut. Of course, I understood that. I just wanted to be involved. It's funny because when you and I did that, that your podcast back in the day, I already knew that I was doing Star Wars, but I couldn't say anything. Right. So we, we were sat there talking, and I remember saying to you, the next time I see you, we, we should chat a little bit more about Star Wars. And I knew we, we can then chat about me doing Star Wars. But I know, because I think I, I think I emailed you afterwards too, because there was the, uh, it was, it was, I think a week later when it was announced and I'm like, Oh man, that's why we were, we were talking about it for sure. And we never got a chance to just geek out about it. But you said something to me on that show that always, that, that I remember and it was how you got into acting and what you did and the way, and when your dad took you to see Raiders of the Lost Ark and seeing Harrison Ford and looking at him and saying, um, you know, Hey, how come Han Solo is playing Harrison Ford and your dad going as an actor and it clicking in like all of that was just, 
there's there's something about that and there's something about those movies and there's something about in in general like the uh just the love of i don't know it's i don't know maybe i'm just a nostalgia I'm, I'm turning into i'm back in my day but there's just something about 80s movies to me that just play man i show my daughter my daughter is 10 years old and i'm showing her 80s movies and she's got she, and and her first concert is rod stewart for god's sake everybody else is going to see <laughs> yeah, everyone else is going to see Taylor Swift and this kid's seven. What was your first concert? Uh, Rod Stewart. For me, I, I think that's phenomenal. For her, who knows? Yeah, I mean, look, I think maybe there's an element of nostalgia in there too. Like you said, I grew up same as you. I'm sure Raiders of the Lost Ark and Beverly Hills Cop and Goonies and Labyrinth and Dark Crystal <laughs> and obviously Star Wars was almost like a fulcrum. It was almost in its own group, Star Wars. You had all these other things going on, but you always had the the backdrop of A New Hope, Empire, and Jedi. Um, and it's the reason I became an actor. Um, probably not my favorite movies, although certainly kind of in my top 10 movies of all time, but it, they're certainly the most influential movies because they put me on this path of being an actor. So I'd been giving JJ a hard time about it lightheartedly for years. And then, you know, he just kind of said, look, I think there's a way that we can do this. You know, it might not be exactly what you want. You might not be, you know, front row center, but you'll still get a chance to come play in the sandpit. And, and I said, you know, that's that's going to be the get the best crack of the whip that I'm going to get. Like you said, I had tiny little moments with Chewie, little moments with C-3PO, little little moments with, with R2. You know, I got a chance to to be on those sets and um Life moves fast, you know. I, I could have said to JJ, thanks so much for the opportunity, but, I, you know, I would rather wait and do something that's a little bit more chunky and then 20 years go by and you're done and you did not get a chance to play yeah. in the Star Wars Galaxy. So I'm so happy that it worked out the way it did. Yeah, it's it's the gamble, and like you said, it being that being that kid and and walking in there, I'm sure it was very surreal looking around and seeing the Falcon and seeing all this stuff and just be being there. I can only imagine, and you know, there's just just being a part of the lore, and you can say I'm part of the Star Wars universe, so I completely understand that um, for sure. But you know, Star Wars being the the sci-fi fantasy like mecca, the 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 like the the top the top thing everyone strives for. There's also science, like I'm a big science fiction fan. I just had this whole conversation really on a show about like parallel universes and and I things that fascinate me. But the science fiction, what really recent most recently blew me away. I'm not a I'm not a massive animation fan. I like animation, but I'm not gonna go out of my way to watch it unless I hear some great things. You had mentioned before we start shooting that you're playing like League of Legends. And right away, what I the, the why I'm familiar with that at all is because of Arcane. And Dude, this series blew me away. I you talk about storytelling and just emotion and what a night. I and mean, this is be some spoilers for some people if you didn't see it. So just to, if you, I'll put a time code and then you can move on. But I, I've already done non spoiler talk and I know that that Dom has watched it before, so we want to talk about it. But man, those first two episodes when they really tease the two sisters and you look like you're going into that time period and then that the moment happens and then you shift into another time. I was like, I, I couldn't stop watching it. Yeah. No, it was it was brilliant. I remember saying to someone at the end of this year that it was my favorite animated show of the year. And then I stopped myself and I was like, actually, I think it was my favorite show of last year, period. It was awesome. It was yeah. so good. Well, I mean... Obviously, you said that you don't play League of Legends. I don't think it's necessary that you need to play League of Legends to uh, enjoy Arcane because you obviously did. But what's really fun if you play League of Legends is 
the the sheer amount of Easter egg vibes that they're throwing out there for the game players. And also you come into that situation knowing who Jinx ultimately is in the game, who Vi is in the game, how they behave, their oh, gameplay okay. style, all that kind of stuff. So even though it starts as powder, you think, okay, powder's going to become Jinx. You can kind of see how they're building this character to get you to these places. You know, same in Star Wars, the first time a character picks up their iconic weapon and you realize they've they've created a relationship with it. I, I was the same as you. I thought Arcane was extraordinary. The animation style was so beautiful. They switch up the style great. The score is incredible. The character development. When I went to Costa Rica, went on my own for Christmas, and uh, I gave myself the treat, which is that if I had a surfing session that I thought demanded a reward, I would go back to my room and watch an episode of Arcane. There's only eight. Awesome. So uh, that's how much I loved it. But yeah, it was incredible. Billy Boyd and I, who I do the French Onion podcast with, he and I both went to the Riot campus recently and we got a chance to kind of ask them a few spoilers okay. and questions about season two of, of uh, Arcane. And uh, yes. and that's on that's on one of your podcasts? No, no, we just went on our own. We talk about it a little bit on our podcast, but obviously we were told to not reveal any spoilers, but we did ask them a lot about Riot and oh, uh, right. Arcane and, and the fact that they set the bar so high and they said, look, you know, season two, we're, we're going to try and keep at that same level. I can't wait for season yeah. two. You know, the animation, uh, I'm glad you brought up. It, it was mind-blowing. And what it reminded me of, you know, when you're walking around Comic-Con and, like, you just get these amazing artists who 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 paint these pictures and you're like, oh, man, I wish I could see that, like, in animation. You never see it. That was Arcane. Yeah. Those yeah. Types, the, the things that just pop off the screen and it's just you can't believe that it's moving. And I show I my my brother who I told about uh, he didn't he had never heard of it. He's not a gamer. He just he's like, What is it? And I and I and he trusts my opinion on it, and he was just hooked from start yeah. to finish. It's it's just brilliant storytelling. I love it too. There's a huge amount of love and affection for the game and everything else that they create at Riot. And I think that's what happened with the people creating Arcane. These are people that play the game. They love the game. It's kind of their ride or die game. And uh, it shows in the final product. Yeah, I thought it was incredible. Um, you said you were you were shooting a show. What, what what show were you shooting while you were while you were out? Can you talk about it yet or not yet? Yeah, yeah. I was doing a show called Moonhaven um, based on the moon in the future where Earth has become kind of an uninhabitable place. So they have a community of people on the moon who are all very cool and groovy. Everyone looks after each other. Everyone's kind of um, evolved in that way. And then suddenly a murder takes place, which has not happened for generations on the moon. And I'm a detective that has never needed to solve anything like a murder. I, you know, bring cats down from trees and help old women across the road. So it kind of, it spins the whole the whole moon uh, on its axis a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's a fun show. All based in Dublin, but obviously the place that it is actually based will be the moon. Be the moon. And do we? Do you know when release date and stuff for that yet or not yet? No, not yet. It's AMC. Okay. AMC, AMC are building their own um, streaming library, as all of these networks are. So AMC Plus will be out soon. I would think it would probably be coming around the early part of the summer, maybe June or July. We still don't know yet. It seems like there's a shit ton more opportunities now because there's so much stuff, whether it's Netflix, Disney Plus, HBO Max, all these things. Do you, do you find as an actor there's a lot more 
auditions, uh, you know, opportunities, things that have been popping up more so than, say, 10 years ago? I certainly think there's more projects. I'm in an interesting spot, really, Christian, because, like, I have to be mindful of the quality control, whatever I think that might be for me, which puts me in a place of, uh, unfortunately, not being able to do everything that's out there. So, you know, I do do think there's more projects because, like you said, it used to be network television and then movies. Nowadays, it's network television, all of these streaming services and then movies. Um, So I do think actors can go to work if they don't necessarily have a high level of quality control of what they want to do. The thing with me, which is always a challenge, is if I do something, I have to be conscious of the fact that, um, well, how many people said no to this before I said yes? Am I the first person that they've come to and said, we really like you, we want to offer you this thing? That seems quite attractive. But if 12 people have turned it down and then I do it, why, why would I do it? You know, so right. it's a strange thing is the journey of an actor. I mean, it, everyone's at different places, but the real challenge for me now is I would love to work all the time. I mean, I'd, I'd like to be on set 300 days of the year, take two month long breaks at the start of the year and the end of the year. And that would be my entire career. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that because the stuff that I need to do is few and far between and i need to be mindful of protecting the back catalog you know of course because and and look you've done it right so far man i mean look at the stuff that you i mean your resume alone from whether it was working in star wars lord of the rings lost marvel movies i mean you've got it you've got it in your rep and that's and that's why you your resume and that's why you can do exactly what you're talking about I've done this, 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 and this, and I think you've 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 gone on. You did your own nature show. You right. you have your own podcast now. Like putting those, it seems like you have continuously you you know what you do and you know how to kind of map it out and plan it. I'm sure that a lot of it's frustrating sometimes, but I'm sure that there's also. Do you, so recently, the, re, the reason I say that I I've, I do the same thing, right? I'll have I had an idea recently, and I was like, oh man, I was I was kind of in a bummed place, and I didn't know. I was like, shit's not going the way I wanted it to go. And I said, well, just stop worrying about it and know what you want to do. Take your moment. And something popped in my head recently. I came up with an idea and it changed my whole entire focus. And I think that you got to have that that roadmap, right, in order to know exactly what you're comfortable with. And I think it comes with age, too, as you as yeah. you as you know yourself better. Yeah, I, I think most actors, certainly myself included, are a little bit more angsty in their in their 20s than they are in their 30s. Yeah. Um, there's also so much of this business that you just cannot control. You know, there's, there's nothing you can do. You can be the best actor um, for that role, but you're two inches smaller and they just, it just doesn't work with their lead actress or their lead actor, you know? So there's a lot that you just have to let go of. I think the journey for actors nowadays in the, in the modern world is being able to diversify like, like you had said, you can have a podcast, you can have a nature show. There's certain things that you can put a little bit more of your footprint um, onto and, and it gives you the control that maybe you don't have in your acting career, you know. But I think we all get frustrated. I mean, DiCaprio is probably at the top of his game in terms of the acting world. I'm sure DiCaprio comes into his office and chats with his team and says, you know, this is really annoying. Why can't this happen? And I need to do this and need to do that. You know, I think it's just natural in our in our career to fall short of the goals that we have good intentions to to try and hit um but at the end of the day being happy yourself is the key because 
no one can take that thing away from you. I think that's what I struggled with in my 20s. I was like, well, if I'm working on something I love, then I'm happy. And that's something that you can't control. So you need to be happy. And then if you end up doing something you love, hey, it's a bonus. Right, right. Like it, it, it adds to the happiness, but it's not, it shouldn't be the one driving. And I, I agree with you 100%. Speaking of that, like what, so, so you mentioned surfing a handful of times. You mentioned League of Legends. You mentioned these things. Is, is that, so when you want to just chill and you want to just, you know, you go out to the beach, you surf. Is it, I mean, that's what everybody says who's in surfing. It's just a, it's a very different kind of Zen experience. And it can be frustrating, obviously. But it's just, so is that is that for you primarily what you do? You go out and you, you surf to kind of clear your head? I do like surfing. Yeah. I mean, surf going on surfing holidays. I, I probably prefer, to be honest, than surfing in L.A. I live on the northeast side of L.A. So it's about a 40, maybe even a 45 minute drive to get to the ocean. If you get there anytime after seven or eight in the morning, it's busy. Mm. Uh, it's a tough place to park. The ocean's not great. I would probably rather wait and go surfing, you know, to Costa Rica, to Mexico, to places that are much more chill, Hawaii, stuff, or something like that. I'm, I'm close to finishing off a, a scuba diving qualification that I've been doing for a couple yeah. of years. Here, which takes a lot of uh, stuff. It's a dive master qualification. So you have to, you know, um, volunteer classes and do a whole bunch of rescue diver stuff and CPR stuff. So finishing that, I mean, a normal good day for me when I'm not working, uh, in terms of being on set, um, you know, I like to wake up in the morning, a little meditation. And then I, I have a relatively big garden, which always needs a little bit of care and attention before it gets hot in LA. So between the hours of, you know, seven and maybe nine in the morning, I might go pick up around my garden. Then I'll go to the gym do some jobs, do some chores, buy some food, come home, make sure my house is all kind of taken care of, play some League of Legends if I've got friends around. Um, and then the great thing, like we said, with all of these streaming services is there's usually something about to drop or right. something that you've not seen, something that you have to catch up on. So like I said, I mean, I, I love Euphoria so much that I try and have a Euphoria episode in the bank at all times like so I've, I've got last last sunday's episode sat there waiting for me maybe i'll watch it tonight it just depends but um that one scares me and it scares me because i i i have two daughters and all i hear is if you got daughters be careful and i was and i, I love zendaya i think she's great i think she's great i just don't know um i don't know if i can get into that one not not because i don't think it's a great show i hear phenomenal things it's just there are certain like i like i mentioned especially over the last two years i wanted some more feel-good stuff that's why i i love cobra kai like i can't get enough of cobra kai have you watched it yet yeah i've seen it there was oh, joy i love it i get such a kick out of it and i think that uh that william zapka is just on another level with his comedy right now but yeah. um so like those types of things and i love and and I, like I mentioned, Arcane, I got into, and there's some a few things I've been watching because we've been doing a rewatch series for for this channel, and and we just oh, I had to watch Batman and Robin last night. Oh, brutal! Shit, yeah, yeah. that's 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 the only film that I walked out of the cinema in my entire life. I was it's just like, brutal, this dude. It's brutal. It's and I I remember it being bad when I saw it. I haven't seen it in 20 years, or whatever it was, and I and I remember I, same thing. Just I'm never going back to watch that, and I. It felt it felt like someone was trying to hurt me. It, yeah, it, it's yeah. like strangely not a movie, right? It's like a ton of fluorescent light and product placement and explosions and yeah. 
lines come out of nowhere and nothing connects to anything else. I thought it was absolute drivel. Put them on ice. It's like the, all that stuff, and it's just, it's yeah. just, yeah. Get out. You're like, come on, they just put it because it's high diamond, and it's yeah. all of it. It's, and it's not. It, I, I don't blame Schumacher for it. I really don't. When you hear his interviews and everything that that he was, they they basically went from Burton, and Burton had this. This you, you got to remember that the the 1989 Batman when it came out cost 35 million dollars to make it made like 500 million dollars in 1989 right so that's incredible and then they left Burton on Burton decided instead of making half a Batman movie half a Burton movie he made and for the second one he made a Burton movie and Batman just happened to be in it um it did do very well it did it did okay but then they switched it up they put the biggest movie star in the world with Jim Carrey in there you know at uh for Batman Forever um. And then they decided to do exactly what you just said over commercials, the bat card. All, I mean, just and putting everybody Coolio's in the movie. He just shows up and he's just in it for some reason because Coolio was 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 on top of the charts at that time. Yeah. So, But, dude, it was it was not it's it's something you do. Like if you ever get into like a, a fight with somebody, just send that movie to them. <laughs> That's great. Hey, Matt, speaking of which, yeah. Matt Reeves, Batman looks extraordinary. That's why we're doing this rewatch because we want to go. We're leading. So thank God we we got a palate cleanser. We got we're doing the Nolan movies next, and then wow. that that leads into this movie. And this movie looks. I love Matt Reeves. I mean the. the I mean Andy Serkis, the King. Uh, he's one of my. I mean, obviously, I, I had an opportunity, as you know better than anybody, that I had an opportunity. I had an opportunity to sit down and talk to Andy, just one of the sweetest humans in yeah, the right. world, and having him come back to work with matt reeves but then matt reeves taking over the apes franchise first i was like oh i don't know about this and then i said shut up stupid dawn of the yeah. planet is one of the best movies ever this movie looks like seven this movie looks like uh, the detective story we want from batman i'm pumped seems like you are too yeah it's it like you said seven is a great shout they, they it's almost as if the entire world has been like dipped in grime and then and then like slowly dried in the sun. Even Bruce Wayne is like kind of fetid with this like awful emo depressive vibe, which you know ultimately you think, well, how's that an, an interesting movie? But obviously he's going to try and journey his way out of that. We're looking at a very troubled Bruce Wayne. Colin Farrell looks incredible as the Penguin. Like, Crazy. what the hell? Because yes. a, a lot of times back in the day, when you when you see a lot of prosthetic, you see someone trying to perform through the prosthetic. But with Colin Farrell, he just looks like he's living in that. That's him, you know. Um, the music looks great. The color palette looks great. Catwoman looks great. I'm, I'm more excited about that film than I think anything else coming up. This year, I actually asked JJ about it. I, I said, do you think Matt Reeves will show you an advanced copy? And he was like, yeah, probably. And I was like, oh, you got to let me know what it's like when you see it. Um, yeah, man, I'm very, I'm very excited about that. And, and you know, Patterson, as, as an actor, you're always watching how actors make their moves. Patterson was in the Twilight uh, franchise, which obviously was commercially very successful with kind of 12, 14 year old kids, mainly girls, but yeah. whatever they go to the movies and they, they still have to buy a ticket, but critically didn't do anything. And both him and Kristen Stewart really struggled with being in those moves and to give them both their credit, they have made the, the much harder roundabout journey to get respected in the game. And I think both of them make great choices, but especially 
uh, Robert Patterson. I just think his his choices have been fantastic, and he, he he's a different Bruce Wayne. He's not a. I mean, obviously, he went to the gym and he looks a lot bigger than than he used to look, but he's not Christian Bale big. He's he's got more of a a contained, angry physicality as opposed to a brutish, bullish physicality. You know, fantastic point because when that movie, when Twi- the Twilight movies come out. You know, and then let's say a month after that movie comes out, they announce Pattinson as Batman. People riot, and sure. you wouldn't be able to see it, and you wouldn't understand it, you wouldn't believe it. But he does Rover, Good Time. He does all these movies, right? And and when and I, it's funny because on Collider years ago, when they were looking for the casting, my co-host at, at Roxy Stryer at the time, we had said Pattinson would be a great Batman. People thought we were nuts, and the reason why is because I had just seen rover which is a phenomenal film but it's exactly what you were talking about earlier in this show and that's mapping out your plan right and understanding and being selective on what you do even if maybe sometimes you shouldn't or you can't because you know times are tough and it's hard to come out of that well i mean you you got i think that it's for you as well right You, you you're in lord of the rings and you're in it's an oscar winning film and then at the but you got to break out of the Hobbit. You got to break out of the Hobbit thing, you know, for, and for him, he's got to break out of the vampire thing. And that's not easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's not at all. Yeah. I mean, you should, we should all be so lucky as actors to be involved in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And it it will, it will be the thing on my epitaph and it will be the thing that I'll always be remembered for, but it was a complete monster of a film and it swallowed everyone whole. I mean, I think Elijah would probably tell you that he, struggled to try and get out of being Frodo for a long time. Ian McKellen will always be Gandalf. Orlando Bloom will always be Legolas. They yeah. they cast the movie so well. It was so well received. It was so well performed by all the actors that invariably you're always going to be those people. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think this is a Bruce Wayne that we've not seen before. Like I love the car. The, the whole Batmobile looks fantastic. It looks really good, man. And the music and Michael Cicchino, man, that guy. I mean, yeah. He's it's like there's going off that same conversation. A lot of times people sometimes people are overused, whether it's actors, composers. And he's used so much, but he always stays fresh. Yeah, he's incredible. It's he's incredible, whether it's Lost or Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And now he's doing the Batman. If you had a trivia question and someone said who scored this movie, even if you didn't know, guess Michael Giacchino because you, yeah, yeah. you might be right. Yeah, um, his work on the on the Pixar movies is, oh, is yeah. up. Even if he did, even if he had just done Inside Out or just done Coco or Up, yeah. and then retired, you'd be like, wow, he's an extraordinary composer. But he has he has one of the greatest resumes in in the entire game. That's a fraction. Yeah, that was you're exactly right. Three of those, you're like, wow, those are really good. And that's like, and and that's like two percent of his work, right? Yeah, that's a blip. Do do we do we feel like this Matt Reeves uh, Batman is is it leaning towards the year one book more than anything else? It seems like it. It seems like it for a lot of different reasons. It seems like it's the year one, but it also seems like we're for the first time, and I I can't compare another one to really leaned into the whole detective Batman. Right, yeah. and this is what this is. I mean, you look at Paul Dano. We're not even talking about right. This is the, this version of the Riddler. This is not Jim Carrey. This is a very, very different Riddler. This is John Doe Seven Riddler, yeah. and that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking forward to all day, especially after having to watch that piece of shit that I watched yesterday when Batman and Robin. So, like, you know, when that comes out, um, yeah, I'm with you. I did a list of the most anticipated, and that's my number one. 
for sure. Yeah. So before I let you go, um, I do. I know that you're not watching Book of Boba Fett, and I know that you know there's been you mentioned that the talk on it is kind of middling. Yeah, Yeah, middling. So what I would recommend to you at the time of this taping, do not go on social media and look at anything of what dropped for episode six. To me, my personal opinion, it is the best piece of Star Wars content since Return of the Jedi. Okay. You, you know, I don't say that lightly. Yeah. So we're six episodes deep. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, l- like we, we were talking just off air before we started the show and you had said, are you watching uh book above Fett? I'd heard from a few friends that it was just like, eh, it's I'm okay. With- if you're going to choose anything, I would choose Mandalorian. And I remember thinking, I don't necessarily need to watch a middle of the road Star Wars thing because my, my quality control is pretty high. I agree but with I you. Know, what I'll tell you then. Your friends are not wrong about the first four episodes. There, there's a lot of good Star Wars stuff in there, but there's a lot of kind of like what kind of scratching your head type thing. And I like Robert Rodriguez a lot. I really do as a filmmaker. I my the problem is, and what I love about Filoni and Favreau a lot. And I've quoted this to exhaustion at this point, but Favreau said this in his Galaxies thing on, uh, excuse me, on the um, on the gallery thing on Disney Plus. He said we're not making an homage to star wars here we're making an homage to the stuff that inspired star wars and you saw that in mandalorian with the samurai stuff the westerns all of that my problem with some of the robert rodriguez produced directed stuff it feels i see spy kids in there i see alita battle angel i see robert rodriguez stuff in there like full front and center and i think just pull back a little bit similar to what i was talking about with burton but bryce dallas howard's episode on the fifth one, she should be directing as many things in Star Wars as possible. And then Filoni's episode on six, he directed the sixth one. Um, it's 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 the best Star Wars content I've seen since 1983. I will I will watch it, no question. That's a great recommendation, especially coming from you. Thank you. Um, so, all right. So, give, give the peeps. Um, where can they get the podcast? Anything else? And and obviously, the movie is out right now. It is Last Looks. It's in the theater. You, limited release. You can see it, and I believe that it's on streaming as well. Yeah, I think it will. So if it's not streaming uh, at this point, I'm sure it will do in the, in the next uh, couple of weeks. So, Charlie Hunnam, Mel Gibson, myself. Um, the podcast is called The Friendship Onion. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. On Spotify, on on Apple Podcasts, um, you can also find us on YouTube. That's the Friendship Onion Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me on social media. That's Dom underscore Monahan underscore. And uh, yeah, that's me. I'll be doing the same. And then when you do, if you do um, watch those episodes, then we can finally just do a pure Star Wars podcast. That's what I want to do with you. Finally, I want to finally just for an hour, me and you just talk Star Wars and geek out about it but my friend it was it was a pleasure to see you it really was thank you for taking your time and, uh, and doing the show it was great to see you too it's always a pleasure to sit around with proud uh flag wearing badge wearing nerds because that's me too that's me too all right brother so dominic monahan everybody and once again guys please show a little bit of class will you hit the subscribe button hit the notification button podcast apple podcast spotify anywhere podcasts are found. do it and let the english see you do it All right, we'll see you next time. The Jeep Wrangler 4xE. It's electrified. 
So you can boogie woogie woogie up a mountain, boogie. over creeks, or boogie woogie woogie through a desert, where you get bit by a pit viper. So you boogie woogie woogie back to camp and ask your friends if they'll suck the snake venom out. When they say no, you boogie woogie woogie to the nearest hospital for a dose of anti-venom and boogie woogie woogie your way to a full recovery. The electrified Jeep Wrangler 4xe. Learn more at jeep.com. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC.